0: Don't be afraid to do what you can, however little it may seem. The simple act of giving allows life to spring forth. Withholding, well, you create your own little personal dead sea. You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode 188. Today, we're talking about how the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea can be metaphors for life. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like He did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. It's so great to have you tuning in and listening today. This week we're going to talk about how the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea can sometimes be metaphors for the way we live our lives. Have you ever noticed how often in the Bible water is used as a symbol? It can represent an obstacle overcome or a time of transition. For example, think of when Moses parted the Red Sea and the children of Israel walked to the other side water can represent purification well think of baptism for example water is often a metaphor for life itself or the source of life the best example of this is when jesus tells the samaritan woman at the well of jacob and this is john 4:14 4, but those who drink the water i give will never be thirsty again it becomes a bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. But there's a really important water metaphor in the Bible that is not actually mentioned directly. It's only when you understand the geography of the Holy Land that it becomes obvious. In the land of Israel, there are two large bodies of water, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Now, if you've ever been there in person or even if you've just seen pictures of those two bodies of water, you can't help but notice the complete difference between the two locations. The Sea of Galilee is teeming with life. Plants and animals thrive in and around it. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, has no life in it and the landscape surrounding it is barren and desert-like. The interesting thing is that they are both supplied with water from the same source, the Jordan River. Why is there such a difference then? Well, it's because of the geography. The Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee in the north and then flows out in the south. As the Jordan descends toward the Dead Sea, there's quite a drop in elevation. In fact, the Dead Sea is about 1,300 feet or 400 meters below sea level. The Dead Sea is the lowest body of water on the earth, and that means that the water that flows into it has no place to run out. The only way water gets out of the Dead Sea is through evaporation, and this is the reason the two seas are so different. Fresh water comes into the Sea of Galilee, and water flows out, taking with it silt and minerals. But since there is no outlet for the water in the Dead Sea except through evaporation, all the minerals and sediments that flow into the sea have no place to go, and they've accumulated there over thousands of years to the point where the water cannot support life. So where's the metaphor for life in all this? A life that is vibrant and full of healthy activity has inflow and outflow. You receive and you give. You take resources and use them, then you get rid of what's unnecessary, or you share the results, or you share the products, you share your talents and abilities. There's a balance. But a life that only takes and never gives or a life that is always acquiring things but never getting rid of the excess, the unused, or what's left over, and never takes out the trash, either literally, figuratively, or emotionally, eventually will become stagnant and, like the Dead Sea, have no evidence of life. Now, there's some really good examples of both of these in the Bible. And we're going to start with some stories of people with the Dead Sea approach to life. The first one that comes to mind is Nabal, the husband of Abigail. David sent some of his men to ask Nabal for food. Now, the prevailing culture in the land was to show hospitality to all those who needed or asked for it. Nabal completely ignored that sense of hospitality and had no inclination at all to share his abundant resources with David and his men. Now, you can read the whole story in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Nabal was a very wealthy man, and to provide food for David and company would not really have depleted his resources. Nabal just didn't have a generous heart. He was selfishly holding on to everything, just like the Dead Sea holds on to the salt, silt, and minerals that flow into it. Over time, Nabal gathered more resources, but since there was no outflow of these resources to benefit others, Nabal became even more greedy and more selfish. But things did not go too well for him in the end. When Abigail told her husband that she had given food to David and his men, this is in 1 Samuel 25:37. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. Ten days later, he died. That sounds kind of like the Dead Sea, doesn't it? Only receiving and no giving. In the New Testament, Jesus gives an example of someone who was more like the Dead Sea. He tells a short parable of a man who received abundance, but there was no outflow of his wealth or resources to help others. This is in Luke 12, Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Then Jesus adds, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. What would have happened if this man had more of a Sea of Galilee attitude? he probably would have found ways to share some of his surplus harvest with others. Or at least he could have sold it in the marketplace. But he kept it all for himself. Now, there's nothing wrong with keeping what you need. You should do that. But it seems like Jesus is implying that this fellow doesn't plan to work for many years. He's not even going to be a contributing member of society. He's just thinking about himself. And once again, that attitude leads to death. Now, this was just a parable, so death here could be literal or it could be metaphorical. There are lots of people who are technically alive, they have a heartbeat, but they are dead, so to speak, spiritually. And Paul actually talks about this metaphorical death. He says in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That was the King James translation. I love the New Living translation of this verse. Again, this is Romans 8, 6. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So, it's pretty clear that to have a dead sea mentality is not very healthy. It's not life giving. It's an invitation for death, either literally or figuratively, to come to you. Fortunately, the Bible also has lots of examples of people who have the Sea of Galilee approach to life. I'm thinking right now of Elijah. God obviously gave him rich spiritual resources, revealed things, and spoke to him, but Elijah also frequently helped people he gave freely. There was an inflow of inspiration from God and an outflow of this inspiration to the people around him. And here's just one example. Remember when God sent Elijah to be cared for by a widow in Zarephath? It was a time of drought, of lack. People were holding on to the little they had. They didn't want to give. They didn't think they could give. This is in 1 Kings seventeen nine through 16 God says to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first, Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Isn't that wonderful? She gave of the tiny bit she had. It prevented death and brought life. Now, at some point after that, the woman's son got sick and died. Elijah prayed and the boy was brought back to life. You can read that story in first Kings seventeen, seventeen through twenty four. Talk about a sea of Galilee attitude where there's inflow and outflow. Elijah did not withhold anything in what he gave to this widow. Now I just want to point out one more detail about Elijah in this story. He was definitely a giver, but when he needed something, he asked for it he asked the widow to bring him some water and something to eat. This is really important to remember. If you're a giver, you can't always be in give mode. Sometimes you need to replenish yourself, and there are times that means asking someone else for help, and that's okay. It's important. The more I think about Elijah, the more I realize he is the epitome of Jesus's desire for his disciples when Jesus said, this is Matthew ten eight. freely ye have received, freely give. One of the interesting things about this story is that Elijah empowers the widow to give even when she doesn't think she has enough resources to share with anyone. Have you ever felt like the widow at Zarephath and didn't think you had any time, money, or resources to help someone else? I certainly have been there. But when God gives you an opportunity, don't be afraid to do what you can, however little it may seem. The simple act of giving allows life to spring forth. Withholding, well, you create your own little personal Dead Sea. Another example in the Old Testament of someone who always gave was Joseph. God gave him, God blessed him with many talents and abilities. But even after his brothers sold him as a slave, he still gave freely of his talents to Potiphar, his master. When he was falsely accused of attempted adultery by Potiphar's wife and put in prison, Joseph found favor in the sight of the prison warden and was able to be of service this is genesis 39:22 so the warden put joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there if joseph had had a dead sea mentality he would have been full of resentment not been cooperative and he would not have offered to be of any help to the warden or any of the prisoners But because he had a Sea of Galilee attitude, he gave freely under whatever situation he found himself. And in the end, God put him in a place of authority where he gave even more freely. He helped prevent the populations of Egypt and the surrounding countries from starving during a seven-year famine. The more talents, wisdom, and opportunities God gave Joseph, the more Joseph gave to others in return. Now, in the New Testament, the obvious example of someone with a Sea of Galilee attitude is Jesus. There are just way too many examples to mention. Actually, his whole life is an example of this, listening to and receiving inspiration and directions from God, and then giving freely to the people. So I encourage you to think of something from Jesus' life that is meaningful to you that is an example of what we're talking about but there are a few examples in the New Testament that I want to mention briefly. The first one is Ananias when he went to talk to Saul. This is Acts nine, ten 10-15. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Ananias was not too happy about being asked to go see Saul, but he had been given a task, and then he followed through with it. He went to Saul, gave him encouragement, healed his blindness, and baptized him the very person who just a few days before had been a staunch enemy of the followers of Jesus. That required a lot of Ananias, but he gave his whole heart to obeying Christ. He didn't hold anything back. This is definitely an example of Sea of Galilee thinking. Have you ever felt impelled by Christ to do something you didn't want to do? What if Ananias had not gone to Saul? Well, I guess God would have sent someone else, but Ananias would have known the rest of his life he had not been obedient. He would have seen all that Saul did to preach the gospel, and he might have had to struggle with a great burden of guilt for not being obedient. Now, I know that's not in the Bible, but just put yourself in Ananias' place and think of how things happened and how things would have been different if he had held back and not given his support to Saul. If God asks you to do something that seems like Ananias being asked to go to Saul, it's okay to have questions and concerns, just as Ananias did, but you can find it in your heart to give freely in whatever way God asks you to. Here's another quick example I want to mention. It's just a short little vignette in the Book of Acts. It's the story of Dorcas, also known as Tabitha. This is Acts nine thirty-six through forty-one. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda. Was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This is a beautiful example of someone who gave freely to others. Dorcas totally had the Sea of Galilee approach to living and the ultimate result was that she was restored to life. Now, I said I wasn't going to mention any examples of Jesus giving, but there is one thing I want to point out, and it has to do with finding the right balance between receiving and giving. Some people give more than they are willing to receive and end up depleting themselves and not getting what they need. Jesus obviously gave freely of all he received from God, but he gives us a really important example to follow. He makes sure he has time alone with God to receive all God has to give him. Sometimes Jesus got up very early in the morning just to pray. Sometimes he stayed up all night praying. That's in Mark one thirty-five and Luke 6.12. He knew he needed to receive whatever messages and guidance God had to give him. Then he gave freely to the people. Jesus found a perfect balance of receiving and giving. And so can we. We can follow his example of the Sea of Galilee approach to life in our personal lives, at work, at church, in whatever situation we find ourselves. If you ever feel like your life is stagnant and isn't going anywhere, or if you feel like you have nothing to give, I hope you'll remember some of the Bible characters we talked about today, and the difference it made when they gave freely or withheld their talents, abilities, and resources. I love this verse from Second Corinthians nine seven: Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea don't have a choice as to how the water comes in and goes out of them, but you and I do have a choice. Be a cheerful giver, and I would add, be a cheerful and grateful receiver. You probably already are. It's not about the amount of resources you are given or how much time or money or effort you give. It's about the gratitude for and generosity of God's love that overflows in your heart to bless those around you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please share it with a friend. And if you've had a Sea of Galilee experience of freely receiving and freely giving, I'd love to hear about it. The best way to get a hold of me is on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click on the contact tab in the menu bar. I look forward to hearing from you. If you'd like to get an email each week letting you know when a new episode is released and you haven't already signed up, go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar fill out the form, and you're all set. And I will send you, as a special thank you, a prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you'd like to check out all the Bible references that I mentioned this week, go to the show notes page on my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 188. This is episode 188. And if you're listening on a podcast app, that link will be in the description. I want to thank you for all the ways that you support this show. I am so grateful. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.